Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, what's beautiful is, is what we learn here is that you and I, we need to praise God for his holiness. These four living creatures, they were there. It says they didn't rest day or night. There was no sleeping. There was no laziness in these angelic beings. They are there to praise God. They exist to praise God. God is worth your admiration. More than that, he's given you a new life. He's rescued you from death, something you don't deserve. Pastor Daniel will tell you today about the praise happening right now in heaven around God's throne, how there are creatures there made to worship the Lord. He'll remind you too that you are a creation made to worship the Lord, and he deserves it right now while you're still here on earth. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Praise of Heaven. So there are just so many things that I love about living here in the Pacific Northwest. But one maybe of the biggest things is kind of your first summer-like day. Yeah. You all know what I'm talking about here, right? And like, I grew up in New Jersey. So like in New Jersey, you have like kind of the extreme ends of like kind of the temperature spectrum where it's like, it's freezing cold winters with, you know, like white out snow, not like in the Northwest where you get one inch and it's a white out, but like you get 15 inches, right? And then you have this blazing hot, humid summer. But as I've lived now in the Northwest for a decade now, there's just nothing like when it's, you know, you have all that rain and you know that that rain is just, it's mossy and green, everything's growing. And then all of a sudden the sun is out and you're like, yes. And so of course, yesterday with the beautiful weather, me and my bride Lynn, and we grabbed our girls and we went for a hike. Normally we'd bring Obadiah, but you know, Obadiah is 17 now. So he's got like a J-O-B, so he can't just go hang out all day long. So he's like, he's got his job. He's like, I'm just going to hang here. I got to go to work. And so I took Lynn and the kids, or Marin and Annabelle, our girls, and we went out hiking and we were hiking around. And, and I love hiking with the kids and with Lynn, obviously, because I just love all the conversations that we get to have. There's just something about when you're out walking with people, you know, and it's like, and then before you know, you're, you're talking and I have like the, the role in my family is I just want to keep everybody light. So I'm always giving everyone a hard time, right? But what's amazing is, is the apples don't always fall so far from the tree, so sure enough, yesterday we're hiking and we're just having a great time. We're meeting people on the trails. We're talking to people. And then my little Annabelle, who's eight, who's like a little mini version of me with no dreads, no beard. She's like, dad. I'm like, what's up, Annabelle? She's like, when I get older, I want to marry a man just like you. And I was like, aww. And at that moment, she could have asked for anything she wanted, and she would have gotten it. You know what I mean? Like, she just, like, buttered me up so good. But then she said, but he needs to worship God and Jesus. And I'm like, Annabelle, are you saying I don't worship God and Jesus? 
Like, like you want a man just like me, except like a Christian version of me? <laughs> and she gets this little twinkle in her eyes, like, no, dad, I didn't mean butt like that, you know? And then, but then she went on to all the other things that she needs in, in her future husband that I don't have. Like, she's like, he needs to love animals. Because, like, Annabelle is like a farmer girl. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, Annabelle, just like, if there's an animal, Annabelle's all over. Annabelle is like one of those kids who watches YouTube videos of animal rescues. You all didn't even know that was on YouTube, but it's on YouTube. There's like a whole crew of people. Like, Anna, I, I was leaving church today, and she was watching this whole thing about snakes being hatched out of eggs. So she's going to be a veterinarian, you know? So pray for me. Actually, pray for her husband. I'll be, I'll be long out of the picture at that point. <laughs> but what I loved about Annabelle, is like, Annabelle, she's like, Dad, I want a man just like you, but he, my man needs to worship. My man needs to be someone who loves God. And in so many ways, to know the God of the Bible, to know Jesus who is the Savior, the only proper human response to such revelation is worship. The worship is the soul of a person declaring the inherent greatness of God. And what's interesting for us is in the journey of life, something that God has really been ministering to me is the fact that God sees each one of us completely. He is the all-knowing one, right? And Jesus said things like that. The Father has numbered every hair on all of our heads, which means God sees each one of us with the most profound intimacy. There's nothing about us God doesn't know and see. God's care for us is beyond comparison. But the struggle for all of us as we journey through this world is that we can see God in the midst of all the craziness in which we live. And in a lot of ways, that's God's design for us being the church 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But when we gather together, it's a time for us to worship and be reminded of who God is because we realize that come Monday morning, come Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, oftentimes there is that battle for us to see God clearly. And it's one of the reasons we've been studying the book of Revelation. One of the most controversial books in all of the Bible. I mean, there's more commentaries and arguments about the book of Revelation than maybe any other book in the Bible. On what does it mean? What should we do with it? And one of the things we've been saying as we've been going all the way through this book is that, of course, this book is the revelation of Jesus. And we're in this section in Revelation 4 and 5 where the view moves to heaven. And one of the things that you're going to find as we continue through this section is that the theme of heaven is the worship of God. That's what happens in heaven. God is praised because it says that in heaven, we're going to know as we are known that the apostle Paul said that on this side of eternity, we see through a glass dimly, which means that all of us, like there's some opaqueness to what's going on, that like, we can't totally see what's happening. But in heaven, when we know as we are known, we're going to worship. And I think the goal for all of us is when we look at these views of heaven and we see the worship that is happening there, for those of us and I believe it should be all of us who believe in Jesus. Our goal should be to make what is happening in heaven our lives here on earth. Jesus in that model prayer taught us to pray, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So when we see the scene of heaven where there is vibrant worship of God, our response should be, Lord, 
I want to be a vibrant worshiper of you on this side of each. I don't have to wait for heaven. I want to cultivate that now. And I, my prayer, not only for the Crossroads family, but for the greater body of Christ, is that we become people who make much of Jesus. Now, I'm here to tell you this. I love worship music, and I love the responding, the worship ministry here at Crossroads. But I'm here to tell you, you do not need a guitar or a piano or a great song to worship. All you need is an awareness of the greatness of God. The Bible says that we should have new songs in our hearts. The new songs are us praising God for what he's doing in that moment. Now, I realize that some of our spirit-led worship that we experience as individuals, some of it is a beautiful, like, you know, beautifully sung melody, and some of it is like free jazz with honks and squeaks and groans and all sorts of stuff. But God is glorified when we're aware of who he is and we praise him for what he's doing. And in a lot of ways, one of the things I love so much about the Bible is the Bible shows us this is what it looks like. And so I wanted to drop us back into this heavenly scene in the book of Revelation. And we'll see, because in Revelation chapters four and five, there's literally five short worship songs that get sung. And we're going to see two of them today. So open your Bibles, the book of Revelation chapter four. We're going to take verses seven to 11. I know everyone's like, man, I need a Slurpee. We're going to seven eleven, But anyway... That's how my brain works. It's like, it's, everything's got a food reference. That's a Revelation 4. Now, if you recall, and I just want to dive into the structure of Revelation, because in Revelation 1, you have this vision of Jesus, and then in 2 and 3, you have the seven letters to the seven churches. And then in Revelation 4 and 5, there's this scene of heaven. And I made the point that in Revelation 1.19, it says, write the things that you've seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And a lot of people see that as the framework for the book of Revelation. The things which you have seen is Revelation one the things which are Revelation 2 and 3. And then if you remember in the beginning of Revelation 4, he's like, I'm going to show you what's going to happen after this, right? And what's interesting is, is then we see immediately that John is in the spirit and he goes up to heaven. Now, many, many scholars, and this is hotly disputed, but I'll tell you anyway, many people see that Revelation 4 is, is a picture of the rapture of the church, the church being removed, because you have the church age and then you have John being called up in the spirit into heaven. And what's interesting is there's this, worship that goes on in heaven, but you actually never hear about the church again until the very end of the book of Revelation, where almost everything in the middle is about the nation of Israel. And so many scholars would say this would be evidence within the book of Revelation of this idea of the rapture of the church, where God is going to take the church out of the world before that last time's tribulation period. Now, how many of you did I, lo- did I lose you? You're like, what are you talking about? If you did, that's okay. I lost myself. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So if, if I just lost you, don't worry about it. For some of you, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for Fusco to mention the rapture. Now, here's what people always say to me. They say, Pastor Daniel, is there a rapture? And if there is a rapture, when's it going to be? Right? And here's what I always tell them. I don't know. I like to tell people that in regards to the rapture, I believe that it's, you know, uh, people say, is it the pre-trib rapture? Is it the post-trib rapture? I say it's the, pan, it's the pan-trib rapture. Like, it's all going to pan out. Now, I personally, if you held me down and tickled me, I, th- I do not believe that the church is going to be there for the time when God pours out his judgment against a Christ-rejecting world because he poured it on Jesus, and because he poured it on Jesus, we don't need it. But with that being said, one of the things I realized is that there's all the prophecies of the first coming of Jesus, and all the really smart religious people got it wrong. And the common people realized that Jesus was there, right? And so I half expect that when it all works out, all the really serious religious people, they're going to get it wrong, which I would 
probably consider myself in there. And ultimately, it's going to work out how it works out, and God's going to be glorified. It's going to be awesome. Does that make sense? So even though I hold the position, I hold it with open hands and an open heart because I don't want to be presumptuous that I'm going to get it because the Pharisees should have known that Jesus was the Messiah. They knew the scriptures better than everybody. But the Pharisees rejected him. They fought against him. And they're common people who didn't have all the theological education. They were the ones like, Jesus is awesome, right? And so I, I want to keep myself in all of my learning and, and studying. I want to keep myself humble and open. And I always tell people when it relates to the rapture, and I'll say this a million times, we should pray for it to be pre, before the tribulation period, which we're going to get to in six, chapter 6 and following. But we should prepare for it to be post. Why? Because there's nothing that we need more as Christians than to have a resilient faith. If our faith buckles in the first sign of struggle, then that's a big problem. Does that make sense? So we want to cultivate a resilient faith. I want you to have the kind of faith that can bear up under pressure. And in a lot of ways, what we've seen over the last number of years is that for the people of God, there is not a great resilience. Like we kind of like, we kind of act like kind of spoiled kids when we don't get what we want. We start throwing temper tantrums in Jesus' name, which Jesus isn't glorified in. So we want to really be resilient people who trust God even when things don't go the way that we think it should. So I stopped us in our journey in the middle of really verse six, because listen to what it says in the middle of verse six. It says, and in the midst of the throne, this is chapter four, and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And then it says, and the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Now, I wanted to give you guys like a great like concept for this, but I just came up with the four living creatures. I tried. Like, I wanted to give you, like, I wanted to give you a great principle to take from this. But really what this is, is this is John's description of these four living creatures, these angels in heaven, right? Now, we're going to see in a moment those angels are going to start worshiping, and we're going to see the content of their worship. But I didn't want us just to kind of blow over the fact that there's not only going to be God and humans in heaven. And what I also want to tell you is that we live in a world where there's not only humans and the things we can see. There is an, an angelic realm. There is a spiritual realm that is outside of the realm in which we live, but presses into our realm. And when John gets to heaven, first he's captivated by the throne and all the lights. And we talked about this in the last message, but now his eyes go to these four angels that when you read the description, you're like, well, all right. It's like, Look at what it says here. It says, so there's these, around the throne, there are these four living, and they're full of eyes on front and in back. That would be kind of weird, right? Imagine like this. So I almost did this, like put a picture of me and then put a picture of me with all eyes on everywhere in my body. And then I'm like, that would just freak everybody out forever. So I didn't do it, but it's like, there are eyes everywhere on these four living creatures. There's, each one has a different look to them. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then they also each have six wings, and the wings have eyes all over them as well. So what's interesting here is that, remember I told you that the book of Revelation in some 400 verses have over a 1,000 references to the Old Testament. You have to just write in your Bible in your margin, put in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 6. Because both of those 
passages have, Ezekiel sees a vision of these different, it's called seraphim in the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Isaiah, they're called cherubim. And what's interesting is these angelic beings that are there are very similar. It's some type of angelic being. Now, what's interesting about this is, of course, the idea of them being full of eyes, it really, people would say that it speaks to the fact that they're just not blind, you know, kind of instruments who act as automatons, but there's some sort of understanding that these, these cherubim have, these angels have. But really what's fascinating is, is that we have to remember that there is an angelic realm. There is a spiritual realm. And the Bible gives us glimpses into it. But by and large, the totality of what is going on there, we don't quite understand. Now, if we had a million years, I would just kind of take you on like a whole biblical thing of like angels in the Bible. All the way back in the book of Genesis, remember, Adam and Eve were not allowed to go back into the Garden of Eden after they ate the tree. And so there was angels put there to protect the Garden of Eden. You know, Jacob wrestled with an angel. There's, there's so much in the scriptures about it. But I think what we have to realize is that we live in a world that there's way more going on than we see. And I always think about that story. Remember when it was Elijah, when they came to arrest Elijah and they surrounded the city and Elijah was like, hey, you need to open Elisha. Elisha, you need to open my servant's eyes. And then all of a sudden the servant realized that there was more for the Lord than was the army around them. It's a very powerful picture. Right, And so the idea here is that there is more going on here and there is an angelic realm. And we as believers, we may never have seen it, but our Bible testifies of it, so we believe it. And there are these angels. Now, what's interesting, it says here that about these four living creatures, right? It says in verse seven, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now, notice the word was like, okay? So it doesn't mean that these angels were a lion, a man, a calf, and an eagle. They were like them. Does that make sense? So it speaks of symbolic language, but many scholars would tell you that what's fascinating about these four images is that it actually gives us kind of the four faces of Jesus in the four gospels. If you read the four gospels, the gospel of Matthew presents Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah, it was written to a Jewish audience. There's no gospel account that has more Old Testament references by name than Matthew's gospel. It speaks of Jesus being the, the promised Messiah of the tribe of Judah, right? Like a calf. You remember a calf is a small bovine animal, a beast of burden, right? And so the idea, of course, is Jesus shows himself as the servant in Mark's gospel. More than the line of tribe, we constantly see Jesus doing things. I always like to tell people, Mark's gospel is a great gospel. They're all great, but it's kind of almost like the sports center of the gospels. There's not a lot of long discourses like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, then Jesus did this, then he did this. And over and over again, you see Jesus serving humanity as a primary function. So really like the calf, it really speaks to the fact of, of Mark's gospel, Jesus as the servant. Then of course, the next one, you get the idea of uh, like a man, right? And in Luke's gospel, Jesus is commonly calling himself the son of man. So out of all the four gospels, Luke has this thrust of Jesus being human, right? And then of course, like a flying eagle, John's gospel is the gospel that speaks the most of Jesus, it is deity. 
So some people would say that in, even in these four living creatures, you see kind of four aspects of the, who Jesus is portrayed to be in the gospels. Now, I say that as like a, it's kind of an interesting thought, but let's not pretend that for one second, Jesus isn't the lion of the tribe of Judah in Mark, Luke, John. Let's not pretend that Jesus isn't seen as God in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Let's not pretend that we don't see Jesus as a servant in Matthew, Luke, and John. You see what I'm saying? But really what's amazing is, is that God gave us four gospels because he wants to give us the whole story of who Jesus is. And these angels seem to embody some of those very characteristics. Now, what's also interesting, and I pulled this quote out from uh, some rabbinical writings. I'll just share it with you for those of you who like this kind of thing. It says, Rabbi Aben in Shemoth Rabbah said, there are four which have principality in the world. Among intellectual creatures, man. Among birds, the eagle. Among cattle, the ox. And among the wild beasts, the lion. Each of these has a kingdom and a certain magnificence and they are placed under the throne of glory. So it's fascinating. This rabbi sees each one of these four characteristics as who have preeminence in different categories in the created order. So I just throw all that out there for you. Did I lose everybody? Do you want me to tell a joke? No, everyone's good? Okay, good. I realize like, it's like, these are some ideas because really these four living creatures are there. Now let's move to the way that they worship because look what it says next. It says, And they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Now, what's beautiful is is what we learn here is that you and I, we need to praise God for his holiness. These four living creatures, they were there. It says they didn't rest day or night. There was no sleeping. There was no laziness in these angelic beings. They are there to praise God. They exist to praise God. And what I think is so powerful is that when they start to praise God, they say the word holy three times. Now, I think this is very important because if you know the Bible at all, you realize that in the Hebrew language, when they want to emphasize or amplify an idea, it gets said twice, right? Like there's a beautiful verse in the prophet Isaiah, which says, he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. But if you look in the Hebrew, it actually says, he will keep you in shalom, shalom. It's peace twice. That's the word for peace. And that what it's meant to say, it's not just regular peace. It's an amplified version of peace. And that's why the translation that I use says it's perfect peace. Many people always laugh. They say, Pastor Danny, when you pray, you always say amen and amen. And it's not because I stutter. I do that because I want to amplify, like, let it be so, Lord. Right? And what's powerful here is they don't just say holy twice. They say it what? Three times which now takes it from an amplified version to a superlative version. Jesus is real. We already have heard how beautiful the throne room of heaven is. And after today, Pastor Daniel has shared the sounds we'll hear when standing around God's throne. There will be creatures, strange ones, yes, but with purpose. And they will be joining the people in singing, Holy, 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 praising the Lord, worshiping Him for all that He is and all that He has done. He is worthy of the adoration and is worthy of it right now, today. Let what you know about the Lord fuel your constant worship of Him here on earth. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about why the four living creatures and elders are worshiping God. It's not simply because he deserves it as the King of Kings. It's because of the testimony of his work in the lives of others. If we share what God's doing, it will be a testament to his goodness and grace, and it can impact others. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called A Year of Revelation. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.